Hello and welcome back to the Future World Life podcast. And today we're following on yesterday's episode focused on creativity with starting to understand how to set the right conditions to be as creative as possible. And we're talking about a subject which you can, like many of the topics I talk about in the book, delve in far, far deeper. And a couple of people I reference in the book and I'll talk about today are great people to learn more about these subjects, specifically Sean Thompson, who is a world champion surfer. He's now an inspirational keynote speaker um, and also Stephen Kotler who's probably recognized as one of the world's foremost experts on flow state he uh, was originally a journalist he wrote books about extreme sports and he's the founder of the flow research collective which looks at the neurobiological link between um, performance and flow so let's go into why I even mentioned this in the first place well you know, when you're operating under conditions of constraint, which in my case is often time. So you know, I'm a parent with young kids. Uh, I'm somebody, as the book suggests, who values the relationship um, that I have with my family to such an extent that that goes before everything else. Doesn't mean I'm not ambitious with my work, but I prioritize making sure I spend time, valuable time with my family. The result of that, though, is that the time I do spend on work, I feel like it has to be as effective as possible. Does that mean just work, grind, grind, work, grind, grind? No, it means working as smart as possible and tapping into the benefits, for example, of flow in order to achieve results in a shorter period of time. So that's why I became fascinated with the idea of flow state. That's why I write about it in the book, because if you can design your life, your days to be able to optimize for flow, you get more high quality work done. And therefore, you can spend more time doing other things. So very practical reason behind it. And that's why I talk about it. Now, I think with this part of the book, it is worth reading it rather than me just recounting it to you. I'll also put a link in the show notes to my conversation with Stephen Kotler on the podcast. But here are some top lines about flow. First of all, why is it so important? Well, it significantly increases creativity. It significantly increases productivity and it increases the rate at which you learn. So with all those benefits in mind, how do we design for the right environment to find flow? Well, the Flow Research Collective identified 22 flow triggers broken down into four categories, internal, external, creative and social. So you think about each of these triggers as dials you can turn up. And if all the dials are low, you get into flow, but it won't be too intense. However, as you start increasing the level of each of these triggers, the deeper your experience of the state and its benefits will be. So let's break them down. First of all, the internal triggers. Number one, autonomy. Number two, the triad of curiosity, passion, and purpose. Number three, complete concentration. Four, clear goals. Five, immediate feedback. Number six, the challenge skills balance. And I'll explain what that is in a moment. Then there's the external triggers. First of all, high consequences. Then novelty, unpredictability, complexity, and deep embodiment. Next, creative triggers. Now, the creative triggers are simple. It's all about building a pattern recognition system and thinking differently by treating creativity as a virtue. And finally, they're the social triggers. And I cover that in a later chapter in more detail. But for now, let me go through them again. Complete concentration, shared clear goals, shared risk, close listening, good communication, blending egos, equal participation between everyone in the group, familiarity, a sense of control, and always saying yes. 
So for now, let's concentrate on how developing our ability to win in the flow state individually helps realize those gains in productivity, learning rates, and crucially, creativity. So first of all, let's go back to internal triggers. So combining those intrinsic motivations with the autonomy to choose when and how we do our work naturally improves our attention and focus. And when we're in charge of our mind, that's the freedom of thought and our destiny, the freedom of choice, that's when our whole being gets involved. So continually returning to the exercise of clarifying what we're deeply interested in, passionate about, and why we're doing it is vital. And as you think about the various tasks you work on during the week, start reflecting on how much they reflect each of this triad of intrinsic motivation. You'll see that the more of each of those variables show up, the easier it is to focus and perform at your best. Now, as you'll have noticed, complete concentration shows up both as a flow trigger and an output, which means you need to design your workspace specifically to avoid distractions. And whether that's removing email, turning instant messaging off, silencing phone calls, or just removing the, the temptation to multitask, um, the best thing to do is just try to remove distractions. And you might look at Indistractable near ALs for some methods on this, but I'll tell you a quick checklist that I use, three things. One, can you achieve everything you need with the pens and paper and or a single browser window or app? Number two, have you told anyone who might need to contact you that you're unavailable unless it's an emergency, including your boss and your team? And number three, have you placed all unnecessary devices out of reach or in another room? So in an ideal world, you create 90 to 120 minutes without interruption. That feels difficult for some people initially, but consider the outcome. Because if you get this done, you're consistent and you're focused, which is where the clear goals come in, and combine it with the honest feedback from others afterwards, you'll see more high quality work in less time. So it seems unrealistic, but you get way more done. Now, if you doubt how impactful this could be, that output, the outcome should change your mind. So one factor this all relies upon is the challenge skills balance. Finding the right level between the challenge of the task at hand and your perceived ability to do it. That's the most important flow trigger by far. So is there a special way we can measure? Is there a magic number? Well, turns out there is. We pay most attention and increase the likelihood of entering flow when the challenge of the task is 4% higher than our skill set. And if this, that seems impossibly specific, I felt the same. So how on earth are we supposed to design so precisely that it's 4% harder than our current skill level? Well, obviously, you're never going to achieve perfection. So the easiest way to think about this principle is like this. Aim to be stretched, but not snap. If the task too easy, we get bored too complex and we get anxious now remember the overall objective is to improve performance and much the same way as you get your work-life flywheel turning the way to achieve this is by progressing a little at a time one step by one step so finally external triggers right when the level of risk is elevated you create the optimal conditions for flow that's why you've probably experienced flow during an important meeting or presentation or perhaps when you've taken an exam or a completing work to a tight deadline because the stakes are high um there's a really interesting quote from harvard psychiatrist ned hallowell in stephen Kotler's book the rise of superman which i think applies really nicely to this and he says to reach flow one must be willing to take risks the lover must bear his soul and risk rejection and humiliation to enter this state the artist must be willing to risk physical harm, even loss of life to enter this state. The artist must be willing to be scorned and despised by critics and public and still push on. And the average person, you and me, must be willing to fail, look foolish, 
and fall flat on our faces should we wish to enter this state. So the possibility of something unexpected around a corner, that's the novelty, and the feeling of unpredictability can force the brain to switch on and focus. And likewise, complexity can be a positive factor, although this time the trigger comes from the external environment rather than reflecting an increase in task difficulty. So break free of your usual routine or work in a completely different setting, a different location forces your brand to expand its perceptual capacity, the amount of information we can take in at at any one time. Now, if you can't base yourself somewhere else, don't worry, you can achieve similar results by preceding the session, by taking a walk in nature or reading something that broadens your perspective. The point is, a change of scene really makes a difference. That's why we talk about variety being the spice of life and no more so when it comes to the brain as it introduces more of the neurobiological chemicals that help you enter flow. Now I mentioned deep embodiment before and all this is really talking about is being able to engage your senses, all of your senses and becoming completely immersed in the task. And during those moments, we reduce our cognitive load, connect more deeply to our bodies, detach ourselves from the thinking mind and that might be for example you know when you go gardening or surfing for that matter as sean thompson describes in the book now, if you're wondering how to achieve the same result while sitting in front of a computer screen writing a report or um, an article before stepping into an important presentation don't worry there's a decent workaround and it's mindfulness i won't talk about that too much now but deep embodiment's all about being in a moment by paying close attention to your breath you can become more aware of sound touch sight and smell replicating the effects of a more physically sensory experience. Finally, creative triggers. As we explored in, as I explored in the previous podcast, creativity is about noticing new connections between things in new ways. Another notable feature is the courage to achieve creative results consistently and share those with others. And all of that relies on having a large bank of knowledge from which to draw. So designing your work life to allow for ongoing learning gives you a toolkit to approach problems from new angles and then combine this with what we've learned about the importance of novelty the physical environment which you work and you create the conditions for incredible creativity so with all this in mind rather than consider creativity as a process or just something happening sporadically it's better thought of as a value which is what i consider it and when i last interviewed stephen kotler he summarized this beautifully life should be art everything should be a creative decision creative decisions are all about mastery and excellence and beauty Thanks again for listening to today's episode. I'll see you again tomorrow.